I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. the third i'm trevor allen episode five as we bring to you here powered by kslsports.com we are joined each week by the one that it's named after clark phillips the third utah cornerback cp episode five you guys have game two in, in the books not what you expected but overall you know a few days after the game how are you doing? You doing okay? Man, I'm doing great, man. You know, you live and you learn, man. I'm grateful for the experience. We're on to the next. Yeah, and that next game is San Diego State at, uh, I don't even, like Dignity Health Sports Park, something. Yeah. It, it's the home <laughs> of the LA Galaxy yeah. um, because as of right now, the Aztecs are waiting for their new stadium to be built. So, yeah, uh, we've got that. We've actually got a guest in studio. Now, something I'm going to try and do on this show and it might be a bad idea because then you can drop me like a bad habit after a couple weeks. Um, I'm going to have you start hosting a little bit. Uh-oh. Kind of taking over what I do. I'm not ready for that now. And kind of me moving over to that second chair. Obviously, it's not going to be all the time, but it's always good to do that. So we have our first guest of this show. Why don't you introduce our guest? First guest of this show, Clark Phillips Sr. The reason why my name is Clark, the GOAT Clark, the one and only, one and, one and only before I got here, Clark Phillips Sr. Wow. Thanks, son. I'm, I'm <clears throat> floored, and it's an honor to be here. And I hope I can live up to that intro, son. <laughs> Thanks, man. For sure. So uh, you were at that game in Provo. Just how was the environment? Did the BYU fans treat you guys all right? No, they were great. You know, we had heard a lot about the rivalry and, and, you know, some of the lore and stories. It was a fantastic environment. It was crazy. It was loud. It was everything that you would expect of a, of a rivalry game. Um, just the outcome was the only thing. Being a dad for me, I mean, I don't have a kid in college. I do have a, a five-year-old, almost six-year-old. And I'm even critical sometimes of him playing itty-bitty basketball and things like that. And then, you know, playing, starting to get into football a little bit. He watches the Utes and is a big fan of Clarks. And so from a parent's point of view, also as a coach for him personally, just your overall thoughts of his performance as well as the Utes. You know, it was it was tough. You know, I try to keep in perspective that, you know, it's it seems to be an experience of first. You know, last week was the first week <clears throat> that these guys and many of those great talented guys they have on the defense ever played in front of fans. And this week being the first week, they, they, they landed in a hostile environment. You know, I think those guys fought their hearts out. Um, we know the circumstances of the game weren't ideal. Defense was on the field quite a bit, but I, I thought they battled and fought as the Warriors we know them to be. And now you got to go back, watch film, correct it, and 
start getting ready for week two. College football goes so fast. We why we love the game so much. It it really is like a playoff almost every week. Most important game becomes the next game. The uh, Utah cornerback Clark. We got to find out a way. Do, so do we just call you Pops and then him, him Clark? Is, yeah. How, how do we do that? Because you guys have the same name. Right? <laughs> you guys are really throwing me off here. Three and two. Three and two. Okay. <laughs> All right. Three. Um, <laughs> you guys had a really strong start in the, in that first half, especially with uh, Charlie Brewer throwing a pick, Tavion yeah. Thomas fumbling the ball again, which was tough. You guys were able to only surrender three points. Yeah. You guys were getting some things going, but you guys were in that bend but don't break. Yeah. And then it, things started to break a little bit. But as Pop said, you guys were on the field a lot. Yeah. Were you guys starting to fill that wind of trying to get stops but having to constantly go out onto the field after a turnover or a three and out? Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Defense is, you know, what wins you championships, man. And so – uh, of course, there's things that, you know, we're going to have to clean up this week, and that's what watching that film is going to be tough, but we got to do it because, I mean, it was some things we can't just put it on anybody else. We got to own up to our mistakes as well. Uh, we gave up a lot of uh, plays. We couldn't get out of third downs, I felt like, and, you know, uh, as far as a full defense, we just got to own up to our mistakes, uh, hold each other accountable, leaders lead, and shoot, man. Uh, it's just a stumbling block, man. I feel like, you know, like I told you when I texted you last night, Trev, like, you know, we needed this. We needed to be humbled. Um, it sucks, you know, the way that it had to go. It's our rival. But um, I'm just grateful for the perspective of our coaches, the perspective of our leaders on the team, and then myself, you know, that, you know, my my perspective has been influenced, of course, by my pops. You know, he's given me tremendous perspective from the moment, you know, I was born and always allowing me to kind of see the good, the bright in things and the good in things and understanding that, hey, this ain't the end of the, this ain't the, end of the road, you know. I feel like at the end of the day, this is going to make us stronger for, you know, what we really want at the end of the season. Absolutely. Clark hit it on the head. One thing we always preached, whether it was shoot flag football games or tackle games, and, and really it, it I was so proud of him specifically, if I can talk like a dad for a moment. Absolutely. You know, his sophomore year when he had the three-pick six game and all the amazing things that happened that kind of took him from a local known commodity to a national recruit. You know, one thing I remember vividly us talking about in some of our father-son talks was just – remaining accountable and remaining honest and I said son you got all the talent in the world I said what's going to determine whether you become one of these guys great players in SoCal that we hear about in high school never hear about again or if you really cash in on what God's blessed you with is whether or not you allow me to be honest and you continue to be honest with yourself if we can be real when it's good and when it's bad and it's hard to be coached by your dad Sometimes even I, I told him, sometimes I got it right and sometimes I didn't. Sometimes it was a typical knucklehead youth dad that you laugh at out there yelling and screaming at things that don't deserve that response. And then there were times where we nailed it, but being able to step back and watch from the stands, as I knew I would have to do, moving past that, step aside. But big thing is be accountable. You find it in great players. You find it in great teams. And so, Clark, I think that's what's kind of been the fuel to where he's gotten now is be honest and be accountable. If they do that, the Utes are going to be fine and Clark's going to be fine. That was what I think fans need to hear that. Great teams go through stumble blocks in order to take that next step. That's real. And that's what I texted back to you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Great teams, they're not going to go undefeated all the time. Yeah. But you guys can still win a Pac-12 championship. You don't become great by always winning. I mean, I saw an amazing quote 
I mean, some. I mean, Michael Jordan took a lot of losses before he took his wins. You know, what did he not make the JV uh, basketball team? Yeah, he ended up getting cut. Yeah, he got mm-hmm. cut. I mean, so I just take it as you know, you gotta you gotta take your L's before. I mean, you gotta take your L's before you can you know take that big victory. And I'm just grateful that it happened early on. Like you said, it's week two. We got to keep it in perspective. As great as we feel like we are, I feel like um, in a way, God was humbling us, man. God was humbling us. We felt really good about the win that we just had, you know, against Weber State. Um, it started off slow, but we felt like our defense, we did some things, you know, defensively and even offensively. We, we did some great things, and we did some bad things, and I felt like um, now it's time to rein things in. God let us, hey, hey, hey stay on your stuff. Don't get all, hey, yeah. don't start smelling your own stuff now. And so I'm just grateful that, um, you know, like I said earlier, we have the perspective that we do because I looked in the eyes of all my leaders, all my guys after that loss. I didn't see no turn down, no back down, no cowardliness. It was, we'll take this. All right. Devin Lloyd said afterwards, he said, feel this feeling right now. It ain't happening again. And I felt that. He said, feel what it feels like to be in this situation right now. He was like, it's week two. Let's go. Let's go. Feel what this feels like. It's not going to happen again. He was like, as sad as, as mad as, and as sad as you are right now, he was like, Allow that to allow that to go to to take over your heart for a hot second, so that you know now we can sleep on this and now we can move on. And I was like, okay. So I sat there in my locker, you know, me and Malone hugged. I'm like, we're straight. I looked at JT. You're straight. Let's go. We're good. You guys ended up playing really well. Yeah. Secondary did. I I felt like you guys did a great job. Jaron yeah. Hall. Yeah, he had three touchdown passes, but. You guys didn't give up any deep yeah. balls. You guys nah. didn't give up any big plays nah. through they the took air. What, they took what we gave them, man. And, and that's that, exactly what it was. They and took what we gave them. They played with – I mean, we played within our system. We just played technically sound. We did um, – I feel like, of course, being, you know, the playmaker that I am, it sucks when you're not able to make that one big play. We didn't take the ball. Um, that hurt us, I feel like. And our Sacks or takeaways. On, man, our offense was relying on us to really take over. We felt like we were stopping them, but – we need. I mean, I think our number is two to three takeaways a game in order for us to win a game. Mm-hmm. That's what our defense has done, and the fact that we didn't get that that hurt us. And so we got to take accountability for that defensively. And I already said it in the secondary. We got to get out of third downs. Scramble jewel. BYU not, was eleven of nineteen on third down. Yeah, and so we got to get out of third down. Scramble jewel or not, we were letting ourselves off the hook coming off the sideline. We were saying, "Hey, man, we just you know we got to stop the scramble jewel." But at the end of the day, we got to play all of that. It still ended up being a catch. You guys were also winded, too, because BYU had four drives that were over 10 plays Man. in that game. Four drives. Yeah. And how, how many drives do you have in a typical football game? They were rotating sure. a lot, too. I mean, they had about 10 receivers, if I can count, that were in the game, I felt like. <laughs> and then as far as the Utah offense, let's see, the first drive was four, six, three, five. I'm not seeing a single double-digit drive for Utah's offense. Nope. Not. You guys didn't have one drive on offense that was over that was double digit plays. And but you obviously you did you did score touchdowns. One more thing I, I want to touch on this and then I'll, and then we're just gonna throw throw this game into the garbage. Your roommate had a breakout party in Provo. Man. Bernard. He was fantastic. We just sat we just sat in the living room, me, my dad, Makai and Max, we were just sitting there watching the Jets game, man, and I could just see it all over his face. It made me so happy. So his tradition, man, after every single game. The next day, he goes and grabs pizza, pizza, whether it's from Little Caesars, Mod. When he when he got his pizza, man, I could tell he was a happy camper. I could yeah. tell he was a happy camper. He's like, CP, I'm going to get my pizza, man. I was like, here you go, bro. He eats he eats the most pizza out of anybody that I know. Usually we go together sometimes. 
But uh, when he came in, man, I could just see it. My dad asked him if he was going to get in the ice tub. He was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> he don't like the ice tub. <laughs> you definitely don't want don't yeah. want to put out the flame yeah. of what he had from right. that game no, in Provo. Right, right. 146 yards on 12 carries, 12.2 yards per carry, and a touchdown. Unstoppable. They could not yeah. stop him. Man, and I tell you, I'm glad that the camera didn't find me on the sideline. Every time that this dude would get you know, a run, I'm sitting over there. They can't mess with him. They cannot stop him. That's yeah. my roommate. That's my <laughs> I was going crazy, man. And so it was just, I mean, the thing that really that, that was getting me on the sideline, that was getting me so juiced is just knowing where my dog came from. You know, yeah. when you see that that type of story, when you see, you know, what he went through last year and stuff, and he had a decent season, he had a good season, but I felt like um, he didn't show everything that he could do. I mean, for obvious reason, we had a great running back. Um, we had a great running back room last year, as we do right now. And so to see him start to kind of, you know, thrust forward right now and do the things that I'm, you know, that I've been expecting. We had a talk before the game. I was like, it's your game, bro. And he told me, he was like, I need one from you, uh, eight. He was like, I need one from you, CP. And um, I didn't get one for him, but he got one for me. Yeah, it was fun to see him wheel, him wheel the game forward or the running game forward. We were sputtering so much and as Clark said we know Makai from from Southern California never played together but you know seeing him out in seven ons and training and playing a ton of positions I think I was mentioning before the show Trevor super talented guy that could do a lot of things probably could play safety as coach Witt has said probably could play slide on the team just cool to see him putting his stamp on the offense you know with his skills and bigger than that we Clark and I talk a lot about intangibles great players have more than just speed and size or, or footwork or vision. You know, I saw Makai's heart in that game the second half. You could tell he didn't want to go down. And whether no. there was a hole there, whether it was an ideal uh, situation on that particular play, he was just going to make something happen. And I think those things can inspire not only other teammates, but even the line. You know, and I was calling for all the backs. It's funny because, you know, we're biased to our SoCal guy, but there were times where I was yelling Tay Train. I don't know if that's what they call him, but that's what I was calling him. <laughs> we need a little Tay Train here. Yeah. And unfortunately, he put the ball on the ground, and we can't do that. Twice. But the best, I know, the best situations, you got all of your talent and all of your pieces being utilized, you know, screaming, you know, for some Theo Howard. He's another SoCal guy. I want to see get off a little bit. And then our tight ends, no one can cover, but – as you said, we're going to wrap that one up. We've got to move on to San Diego State. But but, but I think there's some definitely some positives in Makai. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's uh, running back one now. Because <laughs> I was actually talking to you with some people up in the up in the press box in, in Provo when uh, Bernard started going off. And, you know, Tavion putting the ball on the ground again, second week in a row. And then obviously the third one, but, you know, his knee was down, so it wasn't counted as a fumble, but still not good. He made the most of Tavion Thomas's mistakes. Because there were some runs. He was bouncing off guys, mixing power with speed. He could have that, you know, breakaway speed where he was getting 50-yard runs yep. and turning nothing into a giant chunk play because I can be critical here. You guys probably can't. But the offensive line didn't didn't do him any favors. He had to do the work himself. Yeah. And to me, that was just great to see. But, yeah, as you guys said, on, on to San Diego State, we're going to touch on really, really quick. And then we'll get into some more important topics that is surrounded uh, faith, family, and football on this show. San Diego State, 2-0 and coming in. Uh, they beat the Arizona Wildcats in Tucson, 38-14. to mm. uh, Another strong running back, Greg Bell, had 17 carries for 125 yards and a touchdown. This looks like a basically a stat sheet of BYU's game, where BYU had some touchdowns through the air, but not much passing yards. Yeah. They, they didn't turn the ball over. And their running game, as a team, had 271 yards and two touchdowns. Got it. So, as you hear that, 
I know you you guys are diving into film and all that stuff, but how does your guys' prep change from a running style to a more air raid passing style? I mean, BYU is not air raid, but you guys are going to see air raid offenses eventually. But how how does that change for you going up against a running heavy offense? Man, great question. I just feel like, um, you know, like you said, I mean, it does change a little bit, but really the culture is going to be the culture. Uh, we adjust things in terms of coverages. We trust uh, Coach Galley to put us in great positions, man. He Sometimes, you know, we feel like if we feel like we can hit home, it may be dialing up more pressures. If we feel like, hey, we want to drop back and we want to get picks, or based on, you know, the, the tendency of the quarterback, maybe he he's not a guy that can escape the pocket. Let's uh, let's blitz him. You know, so it just depends on, you know, who it is. We'll, deep, we'll take a deeper dive into what, you know, what they look like as a whole and as, what their offense is like. But, um, you know, we treat every game like it's, you know, like it's um, our Super Bowl, like I said last week. So yeah. we're going to, you know, do everything that we can. And I know the coaches are going to do everything that they can to put us in great positions. And I place all my trust in Coach Galley, man. Love that dude. He just – his ability to, to – to, to move on, to adjust on the fly, to make halftime adjustments, to make in-game adjustments, to, you know, to just pregame us in, into a way that we feel so confident walking out that tunnel and knowing what they're going to do, man, is is one to none. He just has that. He's a great coach, and I, and I appreciate him for, you know, for trusting all of us as well. And, you know, we just, at the end of the day, we just got to execute. And you guys get to play in a uh, soccer stadium. Yeah, man. Hopefully, hopefully that soccer stadium uh, – gives us a lot gives us uh some soccer endurance and some and some <laughs> soccer and some soccer speed huh well not only that uh pops doesn't have to hop on a plane or have, have a long car drive to, to go to that game right right around the corner loving that absolutely right down the way we'll be there super early ready to go well and not only that uh bryce could potentially have a game on that day yeah yeah long as we can make it through as we were talking about the covid uh, deal and testing um it'll be a busy day for the phillips family running down the the 91 freeway which probably isn't the best freeway to try and run down right right Not a, no freeway is nice to run down in la man i i mean you've you've probably already noticed this being in utah driving down the freeways it's it's heaven compared to la right absolutely all right are, are you guys ready to talk about some other things some life some let's faith and, and things like that coming up For let's sure. do it all right we're gonna do that we got pops here in studio and uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of things. Maybe we might get some embarrassing childhood stories. Man, I don't know <laughs> about that one, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys are listening to Faith, Family, and Football with Clark Phillips III. the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. 
Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Faith, Family, and Football. We're here with my dog, Trevor Allen, and a special guest here, Clark Phillips Sr., my yep, dad. Yep. Good job. Appreciate We're that. We're getting there. We're getting there. Because, see, thing is, one of the really good things about doing this is that you're going to get reps and that when you're done with your NFL career, yeah. you can have your own talk show. That's right. And you can be an analyst. You can do it all. You can you can bring in and, you, you know, go to breaks and things like that. Hopefully when it's all said and done, when this show's done, which I'm hoping is multiple years that we're doing this, yeah. that it'll end up giving you kind of a, a head start into the media business. That's right, which, man. You know, going over to the dark side. Hey, that's right. I play a position, man, on the football field where reps is super key. Reps, you know, leads to success. And I can say the same thing for this, man. As long as we get these reps up, uh, rep count up, we'll be straight. Absolutely. By the way, follow Clark on Twitter, at ClarkPhillips21, and mm-hmm. on Instagram, at ClarkPhillips3. So that's three eyes, not don't type in the third. It doesn't work <laughs> that way. And also, shout out to Bryce Phillips for the Me? music. Providing the music for us. All right, Pops. We, we know when, when Clark started to really shine playing football, where he was going to, you know, coming from that local recruit to being a national recruit. How did he gain his love of the game of football? At what age? What kind of led to it? You know, kind of the background behind that. Oh, boy. <clears throat> That's a tough one. Great question. I think before we say love of football, I think Clark loves competition. Yeah. Uh, you know, he played soccer and basketball. Like many kids that, that get to this level, play multiple sports. But what we noticed as a family, even though we're a football family, he's got a lot of relatives that played. He's got an uncle, you know, he looked up to that played um, at, at one of the storied programs in Long Beach Poly. Um, shout out to the Jackrabbits and then played college ball. So he was going to those games at, you know, two years old, you know, well, shoot, even younger than that, maybe like 18 months. And, and But before that, what we noticed about Clark was just before he fell in love with football, he fell in love with competition. Anybody, you know, his teammates hear this are probably going to laugh because he competes at everything. And so, like, on the soccer field, funny story, his very first soccer game, he tackled the first person he saw. He took an angle. And it kills me to this day when we laugh as a family because I didn't have the camcorder there. I mean, it would have been classic. I've got so many of his youth games. But he took an angle like a safety and lit this kid up. And he didn't know what was going on. He's three years old playing, you know, hard court uh, YMCA soccer at this stage and he looks over and he starts crying because everyone in the stands is laughing he didn't know what he did just now all he's been doing is going to football games and so he sees a ball and people are running fast he took an angle and laid the kid out that's that's incredible (laughs) he also mentioned he was a running back and then you ended up bringing up a really good point of there was a ton of corners getting drafted and all that stuff but why why cornerback? I mean, he could have done safety. He could have done, you know, slot slot receiver, things like that. I was like overthinking, man. Saw it coming before I did, before anybody did. And I, I, I guess this is actually a question for both of you. How did you gain that love for being a cornerback? Oh, man. It, uh, I can't take all of the, que- the, the, the credit, uh, frankly. Clark had a lot of talent and got moved around, did a lot of different things, even though he was known in the youth programs he was that he was in for kind of being that tailback, the explosive guy, tough, physical, some of the same attributes that you see. 
at corner, but as he got to the higher levels of football, well, not really higher level, but higher levels of youth, I should say, 12, 13, 11, 12, 13, guys start throwing the ball more. And he had a youth coach that you know I would talk to quite a bit, and he thought he'd, because of the amazing feet he had at tailback, he'd be good at DB. And you know, I bought into it completely, and was really just wanting to support him in whatever he wanted to do. And really, he was really good right out the off the bat. Um, we took him to camps. We took him. He would always go to camps and play with older kids, and he excelled. Um, didn't have the even at that time a little bit undersized, but incredibly quick could you know get back in position because of some of the natural gifts but then he had a wheel much different than running back uh, db is so technical and there, i mean you can play an entire rep right and do one thing right and it's a touchdown or you can win 70 reps on a night and lose one rep and that's all people are talking about um going to the car and so him gaining um that mindset that he had in other areas wanting to compete to corner was really the key like every other kid i don't know if clark wants me to tell this i remember the first couple times in 707 he's like oh my god i don't know if i want like corner what if i get beat i'm on the island i'm like dude the same competition you just have to create that same thing that you had when you played defense and love you know or linebacker and love hitting people or getting to the quarterback at dn you translate that to embracing being in front of a man and wanting to take him away. And it seems like when he kind of found that on his own, he was off and running because he's super competitive. We would laugh in youth games. One of his youth coaches that is probably no doubt going to listen to this will crack up because we'd have to stop him from getting in one-on-one battles when he played in because if a guy brought the physical challenge and made it about him and that guy, he was then the rest of the game going to want to destroy him, <laughs> whether the assignment was there or not. So yep. we're like, Clark, temper that com- com- competitive nature. And so from then on, he was off and running, and we just tried to support him. I didn't play corner. We have athletes in the family, but no one played DB. So really my focus was getting him, getting him around incredible coaches and trainers, and the rest was him, just getting around good people that could teach him technique and, and those things, and, and he ran with it. What was that, that process like of moving from running back to corner? Like that whole conversation between the two of you, yeah. was it kind of tough because you're like, man, I'm a you know pretty good running back. Yeah. And, yeah, man. You know, and, did, did it actually take a know, couple of times for, for it to kind of settle in? Man, it was weird. So, um, not a lot of people know my dad played running back his senior year of high school, uh, Milliken. And, like, so it was kind of instilled in me from a young age at running back to not ever let a corner tackle you. My dad, he <laughs> would get pissed off, man. He would get hot when, when running backs would even think that they're about to tackle me. I was always taught stiff arm the little corners. Corners don't want to tackle anyway. And so, getting moved to play corner, man, like, my whole mindset had, had to change. I don't let running backs run me over. I hit running backs. And so, like, that was kind of weird. It was almost like tricking myself playing reverse psychology. You're not a running back no more. Now you're a corner, and now you've got to make that tackle. You don't get to run away from him. You don't get – and so, like, I feel like, um, yeah, that was one of the biggest things. Now it's like I'm bringing the physicality. It's like now it's like I'm on the opposite side of the sticks. You know, I'm not a – now nah, we got to stop him from getting his first down. And running backs in their mind, they're not worried about the corners. They're worried about the big guys. And if it's me or Devin Lloyd, I guarantee you they're going to choose to try to run at me. And so <laughs> my my goal is when I'm at corners, hey, let me try to impose some fear in these guys and let me be the meanest guy, meanest corner that they ever see. And so, yeah, yeah man, that was one of the biggest things. Clark actually mentioned that you're a pastor. Yes. What does the life of a pastor do, especially when, you know, you you have your job, you have, you know, your family and all that stuff, trying to keep the faith and everything going on, but also having that, having that upbringing, because I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. You were, you're actually talking about in that, in that first segment about sometimes you feel like you, you nailed it as far as parenting. And then, and then there's times where you miss, 
I don't think there was many misses, and that's coming from from my point of view. Mm. I miss a lot as a parent, but just seeing the way that your your family is, you know, so close together and how humble you guys are and all that stuff, I just, you know, faith probably plays a big factor into that. Oh, absolutely. And it, it, early on, I'll be honest with you, faith's been important to our family long before, you know, I accepted the formal call to ministry. And we, we like everyone else that's serious about their faith, tried to live out the, the precepts of Scripture and things we believe that are important to us before our kids. But like everyone else, we don't get everything right. We make mistakes. And sometimes that if, if shoot, if we had a rolling video of all our lives, there are certainly moments all of us aren't proud of. And so the same things we tried to instill and Clark as a competitor and as a ball player, and then even reflectively looking at goals and what you want to accomplish, like coming off of a situation like that game last night, um, I look at it as an incredible opportunity and, ch- and a challenge to be what we said we'd be. We'd be honest with ourselves. We'd be accountable. And what we did as parents um, was just try to be honest and accountable. When we didn't get it right, um, one thing you know we always wanted to do was be able to sit down and have those conversations and then outside of a sermon, I believe people learn the best lessons about faith. It's taking those situations, the adversity, the challenges, um, and teachable moments and weaving those into the understanding we have about what this means in terms of the bigger picture purpose, um, why we're even here, um, why God has us in the positions we're in. Why are we around the people we're in? We're around. Why are we led towards the course of action we're in? And then if, can we use those opportunities to make a difference? in the lives of the people that we interact. An opportunity to coach youth football was great to be, as we say in SoCal, a daddy baller and be around your kid and <laughs> hand my son the ball and watch him score a touchdown. But we always had a, an idea of, of how we can impact those in our household, Bryce and Clark, to understand the life lessons that can be learned out of football, whether you've got it of the Christian faith or Mormon faith or whatever, um, as a person of faith or not. There's incredible lessons to be learned from balls. So we really, I think one thing we did get right is we try to le- leverage those teaching op- teachable opportunities. When did you think Clark was going to be special? Oh, gosh, right away. Um, and, not ne- and, and that didn't necessarily mean that, that I had even the wildest idea that he'd be doing what he was doing. But he was just kind of different physically as a little dude. We tell funny stories that his upper body strength was such that I'd take him to the playground and kids would, you know, that were three or four years older would be playing. And he wasn't even two years old and was doing the monkey bars and had just like this crazy upper body strength and development. Didn't know early on whether that would be football or what or wrestling or if he was going to love basketball. He's pretty good at soccer and basketball, but um, just a little different in his competitive sentiment, sentiment and you know, his athleticism, but being in SoCal, we see a ton of great athletes. So I'll tell yes, you, you we weren't thinking NFL, NFL, NFL as a little, as a, at a young age, people around us may have said certain things. I was just told him, keep his head down, work, um, and whatever God's plan is going to be, as long as you do your part at, at, at maximizing every gift you have. I just feel like that now we know that Clark is set up for a career going to the NFL. I know he's talked about taking that similar Jalen Johnson route where you go, you know, as long as you get your degree in hand and, you know, you're eligible to go into the draft. We all know he, he's on that path. Where do you try and keep him at bay to where he doesn't, he doesn't feel satisfied with where he's at and on that path and to keep working? 
Yeah, I think some of it comes from feeling like we've always been a little bit of an underdog. You know, he, you know, he didn't come from an NFL dad. You know, pretty good athlete, not a great player. Played basketball and didn't realize that the growth spurt wasn't coming. Kid that <laughs> fell into football because I said that was that little stocky guy that looked like a football player but played basketball and. Yeah, I won't get into my old man war stories of powerlifting and strength and those things that I think Clark There's got nothing wrong from. with that. <laughs> <laughs> but bottom line is, yeah, he was blessed with certain things, but we've we've the whole process, we haven't focused on any of that. We talk a lot about being in the moment, <clears throat> understanding character and process because talent will get you there, but but what I found in my years of even just being an armchair dad that loves sports and watches, character keeps you there. And so if he can learn certain things about character and stick to and about the process, um, everything else falls in place. So you're absolutely right. When he blew up and all the stardom came and he was in USA Today and all those things, I said, Clark, as long as you stay honest and as long as you allow me to continue to be honest with you and you don't become too big of a star, that dad can't point out the things you still need to work on. Um, and we're just so blessed. He's got the sentiment he does because We've always been able to have those real, honest conversations and be able to say, not like the crazy youth football dad that's screaming, but say, gosh, man, you didn't get that done. And I know you're going to probably beat yourself up harder than anyone. Get back in the film and then flush it. you know. But I already know he's not going to sleep. He's going to watch film 900 times over, and he's going to, whether it happens again or not, he's going to make every effort to make sure whatever mistake happened never happens again. And I think it's because he's embraced the process and he loves the process and the journey and i think as long as you do that it's easy to stay grounded and not get your head in the clouds now clark i've got a uh, open-ended question you could take it wherever you want if you want to get sappy about it absolutely that is welcome here what does this man being in your corner mean to you man everything um i just feel like i wouldn't be it sounds cliche but it, i'm being legit and i feel like i wouldn't be where i am and who i am um I wouldn't think the way I think, wouldn't talk the way I talk, man. Wouldn't be really much without this man because he's taught me, you know, not only how to carry yourself in victory, not only how to carry yourself as a man, but, you know, even in defeat, you know. Uh, against BYU, we took an L. And I feel like without the teaching and without the, the long the lectures that I used to roll my eyes at, <laughs> you know, in the house and all that stuff, Maybe I didn't know how to carry myself. Maybe I, you know, who knows what goes down, you know, when those fans storm the field and they talking trash, you know, who knows? And so just I feel like having that upbringing, man, having this man in my corner has really allowed for me to, you know, morph into my own with his teaching and with the with the groundedness that he's provided for me. Growing up with a dad as a as a pastor, how does that normally go? Because I know, you know, there's usually two ways of going about it where, you know, you're kind of forced to go to church, and then once you're old enough, you can make your own decision and not go, and or, you know, you kind of go the route where you kind of stay within the faith and things like that. I mean, you know, you don't have to go into, like, exactly where you went, because obviously you're you're within the faith because yeah. you talk about it and, and, you know, believe in it and all that stuff, but what was that like, having a, having a dad as a pastor? Man, it was, it was great, and a lot of people, you know, like how you just mentioned, a lot of people, um, it's different in every, in every household and stuff, and I'm just grateful that my dad was um, of the belief, of course, with him having a strong faith or early on in his childhood, he was taught, you know, because of our grandfather, our grandpa, Grandpa KK, he was a pastor of a church. And so him seeing that and him experiencing that as a child, you know, really formed, I feel like, how he was able to raise me and my brother and my little sister um, 
yeah, in the beginning, we didn't have no choice but to go to church. And I'm grateful for it because now, you know, as soon as I got on campus, I feel weird on the Sundays that I'm not in church. I I feel I feel I don't feel right because, you know, I feel like my dad has really enforced just the importance of having a relationship of my own. Regardless of the fact that we were made to, you know, go to church, I feel like in those times and when we got to a point where we were old enough to understand what faith was and why we, you know, committed to our faith and, you know, understand uh, why we believe what we believe, I feel like it became more of we're doing this for us. My dad always told me and my brother from the moment that I can remember, from the time that I can remember, your faith, your 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 relationship with God is going to be completely different from from mine. Your relationship with God is going to be completely different from anybody. It's got to be you. It's like, I can only do so much, pastor or no pastor. Remember, we saw a crazy movie, man. Uh, I know my dad remembers that he showed us uh, when we were younger. Think, because your dad showed you, uh, mm-hmm. Grandpa, Grandpa Donnie didn't. didn't Which you? one, Left Behind? Uh, left Behind. Mm-hmm. And that spooked me. That spooked <laughs> me. Uh, a movie called Left Behind. Was it Liam Nelson in that movie? Or it wasn't was it? Liam, but I, I It was one of those good actors, man. There's a like, couple different versions, but A couple yeah. of different versions, but i seen them all, and I look them up to this day. I need to rewatch it. But um, basically, you know, it's the it's basically what is it? You can probably talk about it better than I can, Dad. But it's just uh, yeah, it was about the rapture, and I don't want to get into theology. I know that it doesn't sit with all listeners, but bottom line, it was a movie, dramatic movie based about a theological principle of scripture we call the rapture, and being you know believers being carried away, and you know people whether they're in planes, no matter what, and it showed folks that have faith in different and. And it could spook you. It was sure. crazy, man. It was crazy. But I remember, I think we might have, I mean, my parents were, are super, are, are conservative in their beliefs and thought process of a lot of things. And so we weren't allowed to watch crazy movies at a young, young age. And we, and you know, some crazy scene with my mom putting her face, her hand over her eyes, something bad go down from as long as I can remember. And so I feel like that was one of the first movies where I felt like, this is scary like and it was a weird scary it wasn't like a head chopping scary it was like because it was based off of you know our belief it and was life, scary in, yeah. in life and because we had you know gone to church since the time from since I was one two years old we understood faith I got baptized you know at a super young age and so I understood my faith and I understood you know what it was and I started to understand you know what it meant to be a Christian and what it meant to go to heaven and so seeing a movie where you know you you get left behind you're not going to heaven where people's people were disappearing man and their shirts were dropping their pants were dropping to the ground it sounds crazy it sounds real <laughs> cartoony sound really crazy. it sounds cartoony the way I explain it man but I tell you if you were to watch the movie and I know you're, you're a man of faith as well um like just seeing that it it contributed to just me i feel like if that night that night i was in the bible like damn let me make sure this is true <laughs> this was gonna happen and so nah dad like, what, was the, what was the scripture in the bible <laughs> man i slept with the bible on my pillow man that's I'm hilarious like, god don't take me now i didn't even know it had that effect on you that's hilarious yeah. because uh you didn't say anything about it but um now i see i can see how it did i remember when they showed the original version of it uh-huh. in our church on one of those old-fashioned projectors and I remember the whole ride home going, I got to I gotta not get left behind. <laughs> That's the one thing I got to figure out. Man. I, whatever. Man. I might mess up, get in trouble yeah. at school. That's why I was like nine or ten. I was a bad little Just dude. Just please don't be yeah. me. I was like, I can't get left behind. <laughs> and then so, you know, we talk about family on this show, man. And so I feel like one of the biggest things was like seeing Left Behind 2 was crazy because it was like a family. It was a family just like ours, man. 
And then uh, there was a there was a they showed basically a couple of different families within each movie. There was one family. There was a dad that was a pastor, and like he was a pastor of a church, and the pastor got left. <laughs> the pastor got left behind. Like the whole church was gone, and he was in the he was in the chapel praying, like you know, basically praying for repentance and praying to get taken or whatever. And he got left. And then another scene. The, uh, and the, usually the pastor's like the last I'm one like, to get taken. I'm right. like, and so that spooked me. I'm like, if the pastor, I'm like, I know I'm a sinner. I'm going out. <laughs> and so, and then on top of that, the family, man. And so the family, I guess there was, um, there was a family, man. And so there was a family just like ours, two kids, uh, at the time, two kids. And I don't know. I think my sister was like one, but it was two yeah. boys. And then it was a wife and the wife got uh, taken. And then the husband was still around. And I'm like, oh, no. And so it was just a family just like I was. And so I felt like in that movie and in a couple of those different movies that I've watched that were, you know, left behind and that and centered around that focus. I felt like it was just spooky in a way that, you know, it showed it. And it was just crazy to see the, the reaction of the family and the reaction of everybody around. It was like everyone's looking around like, what's going on? You know, and it was like a worldwide thing. And. Um, a couple of people had, you know, known, knew what was going down. They were like, dang. And a couple of people, and just seeing that look of people, the the face, the look on the, on the face of the people that, you know, didn't make the right decision was right, the spookiest right. thing for me, man. And we can talk about faith on this. And so I feel comfortable, you know, sharing, you know, the fact that I'm like, I didn't want to be in that position. And that's one of the, not just that movie, but that, you know, <laughs> that's why faith has been super big because I felt like, um, you know, my dad has really instilled that in me and my brother. And he's allowed for us to, even at a young age, just kind of allow us to have our own relationship with God. He taught us what it was, showed us what it was and showed us how to do it and gave us our Bible. And he said, Hey, this is how you do it. And shoot, it's been our, our commitment to go to church every day or every Sunday, um, being in church, being in the house, didn't have a choice. And now like every time I can go, you know, I go at four o'clock, 4 PM. I text my dad 4 PM to church down here. And so I feel like it's been a big commitment and a, and a, and a worthy commitment for on my part. And I'm just grateful for my dad. I got to say, you uh, hearing that, I mean, obviously the movie part is just funny. Um, <laughs> and by the way, would you recommend that that movie to the audience or uh, unless you want to be freaked out? <laughs> yeah, it might be a little bit scary, but it's, it's certainly the principal is going to leave you on one side of the boat or the other. Probably but shouldn't show it to my five-year-old, though. No, it's going to freak him out completely. He'll be like, Dad, what? Nah, don't do that to Parker. Parker's my dog. Don't do that. Well, Parker is like, your guy. Parker on? gets in trouble. He's going to be thinking he's going to get left behind. Probably. And actually, you know what? He, he, he's actually in that phase, and you've, you've probably gone through this with both Bryce and Clark, that you know they're in that phase of talking back to you. Oh, yeah. And thinking that they like know everything. So maybe yeah. maybe it'll be good for him. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, hearing all that, trying to put into your into your boys and obviously your daughter of what you're trying to teach them and that and for them to kind of just take it and blossom that way. It's probably going to be a proud moment for being a dad. Super. Uh, I've told Clark all the time and, and I, I don't think I was able to put it into words until maybe they were maybe midway through high school. I told him that no matter what happens or what you do. Um, and some people may feel differently. Matter of fact, even some people in our friendship circle and family may feel differently. Mm-hmm. You being the man that God has ordained you to be, you being a quality citizen, you treating someday your wife right, raising your kids right, me far more than any NFL. If you go to the NFL and be one of these little jerks or one of these little dudes that we're not proud of, to have our name on your jersey because you're not treating women right, you're not taking care of your business yeah. off the field, it would grieve my heart. And it's not so much about just following what dad has taught, but it's more of understanding. And one thing we tried to do is just make things real and relevant. Like how does all this apply to my life 
as a father, as a husband, as a brother, as a friend. And so it was never just about pounding scripture to pound scripture or let's, and frankly, people look at me funny because I'm one of those new school preachers that say, I really don't like organized religion or a lot of aspects of it. And I'm a pastor and people go, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Because it becomes the structure in these practices and people rebel from it because it seems to be so forceful to force people to walk and act like robots or do the same thing everyone else does. And, but I think when they can at a young age buy in and understand how this affects me and what it really means, it doesn't maybe challenge that, that rebel nature that wants to be independent and do my own thing if I understand why this is good for me. So it was, I was really proud at the fact that they bought into their own, own understanding of their faith, gave them space to have their own faith, be normal teenagers, go out, have girlfriends, and understand that Pop's willing to be accountable and transparent that I haven't always done it right either. And you're going to make mistakes, but there's a path for redemption and a path to get things right and a path for growth. I've obviously got my own dad to lean on and, you know, things I've been taught growing up, but just seeing other, you know, point of views from parents and stuff, especially yourself. I look up to you as as far as ways that I want my own son to be raised, because I'm just going to tell you right now, thank you for molding him to handle the media the way that he does, because I've talked to a lot of other beat writers, my you know colleagues, especially when they uh, found out I was I was working with Clark on this show. They were like, "You couldn't have asked for a better interview mm. for, and a better co-host on that Utah football roster." And he's only a freshman, super freshman. But mm-hmm. even when you guys came to KSL, January 2020, you guys ended up doing the rounds for TV and radio, and you know talking to me, and I ended up coming away from that. And and we have this big old sports cubicle. I ended up going into that cubicle, and I, I just said, I, I told the TV guys, and I told my, my coworkers, I said, that's one of the best interviews I've done for a student-athlete. Wow. And I've interviewed a lot of student-athletes, college athletes. I've interviewed quarterbacks, senior quarterbacks. He's better than that wow. as far as a better interview. Per, and it isn't the fact that he, he's given us, you know, clickbait type of things. Mm-hmm. He's insightful with his answers. He's well-spoken. And as Jeremiah Jensen said it on Twitter when we announced this whole partnership in the show, he's wise beyond his years. So on behalf of the media, the dark side, the bad guys, thank you for molding him into not only a great player out on the field, someone that you fans cheer for every single Saturday, but also to be a great person off the field a great person to help in this community because it's needed and also a great co-host because I ended up telling you guys throughout the whole process, if Clark chose to go somewhere else with this show, I wouldn't have gone to another Utah football player. I just would have not taken part in this. Wow. I only wanted one. I only wanted to work with one player on that Utah football roster. And he's right here. That's humbling treasure. Trevor, I I appreciate it. And this is probably the cue where, I let you guys in on a secret that it's not just me. <laughs> I've got an incredible wife who yes, I've been married to for over 20 years, and Clark will tell you and got funny stories. We operate pretty well. Sometimes it seems a little clunky because we're we're yin and yang. I'm either all gung-ho, 90 miles an hour, I'm passionate, loud, when mom's sitting back quiet and comes through with the voice of reason, or mom's fired up about something and nice. dad's trying to be the balancer. Yeah. But mom's been an incredible um, support. Um, and she's just, you speak of why behind beyond her year his years that's mom but as a clark will tell you i'm sure and 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 
it's funny. I, I won't bring it out ever on the show, Clark, but he did a, and he and his brother did and sister did an incredible tribute for her on Mother's Day. And he talked, made me laugh, talked about times when dad's ranting and mom can come through with the perfect voice of reason. Like many of our moms are, right? Yes. They come through with the love when sometimes dad's fire and brimstone, but she just has the right thing to say at the right time. But one thing I'm coining, and we might get some shirts made, you know, after his game uh, last week. You know, I'm in a dad Pac-12 group on, on Facebook, and all these dads of amazing kids around the country, not even just Pac-12, frankly, there's kids at Clemson and Alabama and everywhere. Someone gave us an incredible, or me an incredible compliment about, you know, him and his character, and I quickly said, yeah, he's got a real dope village, man. You know, we're blessed to have an incredible village, and what you have put in um, is incredible. You talk about the parents, but he's had great coaches. We've got a big family. He's got great aunts and uncles, grandparents that ride, and so it's kind of cool. We start this family tradition where, you know, before and after every game, there's this big text chain, and everybody's throwing all the encouragement at Clark, and everyone's throwing pictures up and clips that they might have grabbed from TV or just throwing things at him. And, um, you know, even when praise comes through there, I've started to just coin it the village. I'm like, man, he's got a dope village. I'm like, all of you guys are a part of the village, and even that's become special. You know, those in Texas, those in Cali, some of the aunts that took them to practice when we weren't able to. And so I must say, mom's super important, but he's got a great village as well. Incredible mentor. He talks about boss sometime, the mentorship program he has. So he's really fortunate that way. Should we take a, a break and uh, talk about the week you had in college football picks? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready for that. Because it wasn't great. <laughs> Uh-oh. And no, we're and, all right. And it wasn't a great week overall, man. We'll get better, though. We'll get better. Something else I want to do, though, because Pops is also going to make make picks here. Yeah. I want to get some, uh, some some of the recruiting stories, because you end up talking about the Alabama trip, talking to Saban and how you you and your mom were all, you know, yeah. really amazed uh, yeah. by, by all, all the trophies and jewelry and, dad, and you know, Pops was taking care of business. I, w- I want to kind of go in depth on the conversation <laughs> with some of these coaches. Because yeah. you probably had a lot of offers, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, we got we to gotta definitely talk about that. Pops definitely stole the show on that one. Me and my mom were both stumped in that room with Saban, man. And Pops did like he always do, closed deals, man. He's in the business world. He closed it. Wow. He closed that deal. <laughs> All right, well, well, we'll end up talking about that on our final segment here of Faith, Family, and Football. Final segment of Faith, Family, and Football with Clark Phillips III. Trevor Allen here along with Clark Phillips Sr. joining us here in, in studio. Uh, we're going to make our picks. But first, I wanted to get Pops's per, uh, point of view of how Clark ended up at Utah. I mean, you guys obviously committed to the Ohio State University, which suffered a loss to Oregon. And then just before signing day, Clark decided to not go because there was a coaching change and Someone was getting a head coaching job in a in a Power Five league, and you know, and then ended up at Utah, and is the highest rated recruit in Utah football history. How yes, did sir. how did that kind of go about? Because I mean, Clark told us his, his his point of view of where he wanted to go, but I know you had a say in it. 
to a to a point. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll tell you, it was a, it was a fun process. It, we were really fortunate that he was recruited early. Some so many great players and ended up going on playing in the league may not see offers as early as he did. So we really got a chance to take our time, do a lot of visits, and and learn and learn a lot from the coaches, the process, and. Um, being in Southern California, we're blessed, as I've mentioned before, to have so many great players and families that we've played with and been around. That we, that's again another part of the village that we were able to ask questions from kids that are playing at this level for a few years before. So we did prayer, a lot of analytics, a lot of looking at stuff, a lot of numbers. But at the end of the day, I think he, the well, one, know for a fact, he ended up where he should be. We were excited about Ohio State. We were pumped about what things could um, be with Coach Halfley and the guys that he would have been going in with. Um, but at the end of the day, we promised that we would come back to the table frequently. We talk as family, we talk as fans, but then we'd sit down and get down to business and have family meetings and kind of do the old plus minuses and and think about what makes sense and then wrap it all up with prayer. And we knew we'd be led to be where we were. And frankly, I told Clark as we got down to that tough decision that, you know, don't be too stressed out about it. I don't think you can go wrong when you're as blessed to have as many great schools recruiting you as you are. But as you know, so many things can change with just a coaching change position. You know, who goes where? There's a lot that goes into it. But but really, you know, Clark knew where he wanted to go as we got into that stretch run. Probably took a lot of people by surprise. Wasn't surprising to us because I knew what I told someone yesterday at the team, you know, family dinner that Utah had done a good job throughout the process. You know, even though they may have looked like the dark horse or some people would say, oh, you'd never end up at Utah. They did an incredible job of just being honest, transparent, and building a genuine relationship. How many offers did he get? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> it was that much? <laughs> we, yeah, and we weren't the fam- in the counting. We weren't posting the number and all of that. We know, I know when it got to the high 30s or 40s, and then there were other schools that came in. If we were offer chasing, we could have got many more. We but we were honest with them. people and telling people, yeah, yeah that you were you know, nailing it down. Direction. And I remember a lot of schools, about 10 schools, started to call later in 15, telling them, hey, you know, I think um, we're moving another direction. We're kind of deeper in the process, and I'm – I'm an early enrolling, so that was just the facts. It wasn't because, you know, we were big time. It was because I'm going into school in a couple months. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, we were starting to, you know, feel good about what we've got. We appreciate it. And it, that, that was the end of the conversation for a lot of schools. You know what else is the end of uh, of, of a conversation? Your record in college football picks this last week. <laughs> Let's not talk about this right now. <laughs> oh, we are. <laughs> so you end up having a really solid first week. You went three and two. I went two and three. But now we're even. Yeah, because you went one and four, one and four, man. That's sad. And hey, and can can you guess the only one you got right? Let me think. I got. It wasn't Iowa. It wasn't the Buckeyes. It wasn't. Let me think. TCU. TCU. Oh yeah, no, nah, I did see that game. Yeah. TCU ended up beating Cal. I had Cal in that game, so I was wrong. But yeah. I I went two and three. You went one and four, and. So you and I both got the Buckeyes wrong. I got Iowa. I also got Michigan, which that was like a gimme. You're like, I'm going to back the pack, and I'm like, I'll take Michigan easily. And then uh, you and I both got USC wrong. Like, did anybody see that coming, by the way? No. We all got that wrong, Trevor. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, we all did. I had Cal. Uh, So now we go into this week. Clark, you're at four and six, and I'm at Uh. four and six. But now, but now, pops is going to have a record too because he he's going to make he's going to make picks here. So we're going to see who's clutch, Trev. Week three, you guys ready? 
Yeah. It was harder to find games, by the way. There wasn't as many great matchups. So really? let me ask, let me get this straight. Both of you guys are under 500, or did I miss that? You no, are... you, you got it right. You, you didn't so miss you, it. What yeah. you're telling me is Carrington could have threw a dartboard at the wall. <laughs> 50-50. All right, I'm sorry. I'm no, you're wrong. absolutely right. And would have Carrington's right. Clark's sister, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Sister. Um, yeah, she could have easily done that. Gotcha. I also could have had Parker throw a dart at the board <laughs> and, and made made my picks, and Carrington could have done it for Clark. So you're absolutely right, but thanks for pouring salt in the wound. All right, first game. You guys ready? Alabama at Florida. Three, who are you Bama. going with? Bama. Roll with the tide. That's right. Pops. Bama. 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 I'm not going against Alabama until they lose. <laughs> Real talk. Dan Mullen. My dog, Bryce Young, man. Listen, it's death, taxes, and Bama. That's really <laughs> what it is. You're so absolutely geez. right. And, and again, Dan Mullen, former Utah coach, you know, a lot of ties there. I, I, you can't go against the tide until somebody beats them. Auburn at Penn State. Ooh, i got to go Penn State. You almost went you, – you had them in your top ten. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Any any good conversations with with Coach Franklin? Yeah, man, Coach Franklin, ah, DB coach. I can't even think of lose that to some good guys. Yeah, some great uh, guys. All three of them. It was two of them, and then it was a safety coach as well. Do I need to look? Do I need to look this up? No, we're gonna no, keep it moving. Up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that important, but hey, nah. All right, those guys. just made some guys mad at so, Penn State. <laughs> that's all right. There's probably not a ton of people from from Penn State listening to this, but uh, if there are, welcome in. Uh, who are you going with, pops? I gotta say, Penn State as well. I'm gonna go Auburn because I'm. I don't. Want, I'm just gonna go different from you guys, and in, okay. in, in hopes that I mean it, it worked for the Iowa game. So Terry Smith, Terry go. Smith, Terry nice. Smith. I'm glad I didn't have to Google that. Um, <laughs> all right. This one's going to hurt, and I think I already know the answer to this, but we're going to do it anyway. Arizona State at BYU. A- Both teams are ranked now. Arizona State. Arizona State? Yeah. Is it going to be a close game, or is it going to be knowing of what you know of BYU and also the glimpses of what you've seen? This is- I can't say what I want to say, but I think it'll be a great game. <laughs> I want to say. That's smart. All right, Pops. Is he really going to go with BYU? This can't be that hard. Nah, what is Pops doing? Nah. <laughs> I was, was going to say, is he really going to go for the team down south? <laughs> no, not pulling for them. Now, Arizona State's got too much speed, running game, pass game. Jaden Daniels. Um, I got to say SU, too. I didn't want to pick the same doggone thing, but yeah. we'll say SU. And I'm going to go the same way. I just think that, that BYU's magical run, I, I know they had probably the best weekend of their program yeah. with going to the Big 12 and then beating Utah and stopping the streak. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're going to have Sugar a little bit of hangover from that. And actually, Sugar High is better than hangover yeah. in, yep. in, in this sense. But uh, <laughs> All right, next one, Minnesota at Colorado. Colorado almost beat Texas A&M. It was 10-7. That could either be Colorado's really good or Texas A&M's not very good. Colorado. I'm going to say Minnesota. Too much offense. Colorado. Too much offense. Yeah, good offense too. yeah Colorado's going to hold them down. They got a solid D, but might just put up a few more points. So, Minnesota. So you're going to back the pack. He's going with, with facts yeah, I got to rock with the pack. If, if there's any uncertainty, <laughs> I got to go with my dogs. All right. Um, I'm going to side with Pops on this one. I'm, I'm going with the Gophers. Mm. Row the boat. Is that what they, is that what they say? Yeah, no I guess idea. so. Roll the boat. I don't know. Any mascot with the gophers, man. I won't even say nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this one was tough. B- 
because again, we're in the in the phase where I just don't, you know, it, it was hard to pick a game. But uh, Stanford at Vanderbilt. Stanford. Va- Vanderbilt's Stanford. not great, but Stanford, Stanford. I mean, Stanford's up and down though. Stanford. They end up losing to Kansas State at Jerry World, and then they go and smash USC. Will they get a letdown? That's what I'm wondering. Hmm. But Vanderbilt's never been good at football. Right. At least good enough, but they, they're still in the SEC. It'd be a better debate than football game, huh? I mean. <laughs> the debate teams. Debate team would absolutely. Uh, actually, they're both good. Yeah. I mean, jeez. Yeah. Have, you, have you guys seen the uh, commercials for the uh, College Bowl that uh, Peyton Manning hosts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be like a College Bowl matchup with Stanford and Vanderbilt. Absolutely. Well, you know, Vanderbilt lost to someone recently that was like, uh. Or they no they Colorado State they they beat Colorado State twenty four to twenty one. That just means Colorado State's not good because Colorado State got smashed by an FCS team in really? week one. Yeah, we're all pack right. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure we're all going pack here. Yes, yeah. NFL picks because the games are still going on. Uh, we are not. We don't know the records, but we're going to go into this week. Which, by the way, pops, are you moving your allegiances over to the Rams? From what I hear. Are you still rolling with the Raiders? You want me to go on record against my Raider Nation? As a Denver Broncos fan, yes, I do. Ooh. <laughs> I think you didn't tell me about that earlier. No, I'm just kidding. I, the oh. the uh, Denver Broncos mask oh. didn't throw anything off? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> we're pulling for the local team. I need an NFC team. Clark loves Jalen Ramsey, so <sighs> I got to pull for him. But now, win, lose, or tie, baby, it's Raiders till we die. All right. Well, that's sad, but it's all right. We're going to move on. <laughs> Takes character. All right. Uh, <laughs> first game of, of week two that that we're going to pick, L.A. Rams at the Colts. Rams. I figured you were going that way. I take you're going the same way? Going Rams as well. I mean, the Colts didn't really show much against the Seahawks. I'm kind of curious how, how that's going to play out. Yeah. I, I go Rams. All right. Here's, Rams for Ramsey. I, I'm actually throwing you guys a little bit of a curveball here. The Denver Broncos, my Denver Broncos, my long-suffering, crappy Denver Broncos, at Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer, home opener, home debut. Jags. Jags. Going with Trevor Lawrence, that is. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. I see what you did there. That was messed up and awesome at the same time. All right, fine. I'll, I mean, I'm going with the Broncos. Who's going to be the better Trevor? <laughs> Trevor Simeon, wherever he's at. Don't Who's know where he's at. going to be the better one? He's probably in the CFL right now. Um, all right, here's a good one. Uh, Chiefs at Ravens. This is going to be on Sunday Night Football on KSL 5 TV. Chiefs. Chiefs? Yeah. Lamar going Ravens. Ravens. Ooh, Ravens flock. Uh if if Tyler Huntley was playing, I would take him over Patrick Mahomes. No, I wouldn't. Um, I, hey, I love Tyler Huntley. I'm really Pat, a really great story, but Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. But I hate the Chiefs. I hate the Chiefs as well. Just like okay, he and I can agree on one thing. AFC West, baby, you can't pull for the Chiefs. Yeah, going with the Raiders. Dang, Denver and the Raiders have been in some bad, bad situations. I can understand the hate for that team. I can understand that. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Misery loves company, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I already know Pops' answer to this, but uh, I would be curious to know Clark's. Uh, Raiders at Steelers. Get it right. Get it right? <laughs> <laughs> you better hard. get it right or you're walking home, son. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I grew up just not really liking the Steelers too much because that that families were split on the days that they played against each other, man. Right. Uh, we're talking family. about Steelers now, not like when Grandpa was liking them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you still got T.J. Watt on that team. It's pretty good. No, I go with the Raiders just for the, just for this one. I go with the Raiders. Just <laughs> dad's one. here. Yeah, yeah. Just for this one, you kind of want to make a special. I don't need them to let me down though. I'm going with the Steelers. Ooh, mm. still curtain baby. Just because, again, I don't like the Raiders. Right. Plain yeah. and simple. Makes sense. <laughs> um, although they have a great stadium. Um, okay, final one. Tennessee Titans at Seattle Seahawks. Titans. You're not Derrick rolling Henry. with your boys, Blair and Barton? Derrick Henry. I'm a Derrick Henry believer. But that play from, what was that, two weeks ago? Last preseason game? Yeah, where they uh, where it was a scoop and score. Scoop or, and score. Uh, a sack, scoop so, and score. So, Barton, he punched the ball out. And Marquise Blair ran it in. You know, Marquise Blair, legendary safety mm-hmm. at the U. Yep. Barton, you know, just baller. And so they both, I mean, that was like a Utah, like, staple play that we, I mean, yep. I was surprised yep. it didn't get shown in our facility, you know, the whole week. Well, that Scowie <laughs> didn't get a picture of it to put up in, yeah. in, in the defensive back room. <laughs> facts, facts. But, uh, no, that was a big play. But I got to go with Derrick Henry. He's a train, and I don't see nobody stopping him. Pops? And Russ, we trust, man. Seahawks. He, he he and I are like thinking alike for most part, except for the Raiders thing. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, it's more that I just feel sorry. You know, the fact yeah, that he yeah. had to deal with that team. You guys for, gonna lose together? I hope you guys are good friends. Just. Hey, <laughs> I got a lot of love and respect for for, for pops, except for <laughs> his, his his a taste in in NFL teams. That's about it. <laughs> we I'm, like adversity. We mentioned that earlier. We, yeah, we, we do. Uh, I'm gonna go with Seahawks. Seahawks and oh. Russ. We trust. He's good, man. He's good. You can't go against that. Russ can't tackle Derrick Henry either, so <laughs> he don't get the opportunity. So I'm That is point. true. Great point. All right. Well, number five is in the books. Pops, thank you for joining us. It was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I, I I think the fans will really enjoy this episode. Yeah, I um, enjoyed it. There was some really unique perspectives. Any embarrassing stories you want to share before we go? Mm, Mike's oh boy. Uh, Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> How much time do we have? Which one do you want me to share, Clark? <laughs> Man, you don't ask him. You just you just say whichever one's the most embarrassing. Skip you this one. <laughs> Taking the coach wit route. I like it. I know. Can't think of anything right off. It's super funny. It's all good. Uh, actually, him tackling someone in soccer was pretty awesome. So yeah, yeah. I think we'll I think go. that counts for an embarrassing story. It's not embarrassing. It's just funny. Man, that's embarrassing for a kid at three years no, old. Man, not. I cried in that stadium. Man, or in that in that gym. Man. <laughs> nah, you're fine. Now I can look back and laugh at it, but. Yeah, we can all laugh about it now. All right, well, good luck on Saturday in uh, Carson. And, uh, Appreciate that. Uh, you guys are going to have to give me some food places there when I'm Ooh, when I'm there. We were just talking about right, right across, around the corner. Yeah. yeah, right across the street, basically. Right across the street, man. They've got a place. Uh, it's M&M's a, it's a soulful way. place. We used to go there after the church, man. It's so good. All right. You're going to be stuffed. You may not be able to walk out of there, but it's worth it. That's why and I... had put my dad and used to smash to his killer, right? Yep, yep. That's why I uh, sit for a living. So, it's all right. So I'm, as long as someone can wheel me into the press box, I'll be all right. Nice, nice. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. All right, there you go. That is Clark Phillips Sr., Clark Phillips III. I'm Trevor Allen. You've been listening to Faith, Family, Family and, and Football. Football. Let's do it. Yeah.